with me, as always, is Ben Mariner. Hello. And Russell Troff. Hello. It's Friday night, and it's another episode of the Cook Podcast. So I, went to, so I came across uh, this really cool company called Change Police. Uh, and basically, they've been around for a while, actually, but they're really sort of making waves recently. Um, so Change Please is the name of the company, and it's a coffee shop. So they started out in uh, they started out in Covent Garden with like um, you know those little coffee carts that you get um, yeah. takeaway coffees. So what they do is they make decent coffee and they sell it. But every coffee that you buy, the profit goes to helping homelessness. Mm-hmm. And what they do is okay. they get homeless people and they train them to be baristas, and they oh. then pay them the minimum wage, the living wage. Right. Um, and they support them with housing, finance, and even therapy. Oh, wow. Um, oh, good. And that's just expanded. So now they've actually got um, three shops now. Well, not shops, three coffee shops uh, in an actual building, not just coffee carts. You've got one in um, Peckham Rye. You've got one in uh, Canary Wharf. That's big. And one in Suffolk. Suffolk? Suffolk? Oh, yeah, Suffolk. Suffolk. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're actually absolutely kicking off. So I was just reading, actually, I was just on their website. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're supporting with training to for baristas um, and all that money, 100% of the profits uh, goes towards ending homelessness. Um, and I just think that's such a such a cool thing. So they get the homeless people, bring them, train them to be baristas and they give them the wage from whatever you know however much the coffee is they're doing takeaway coffee uh they can send coffee to your house as well which is kind of cool i guess coffee beans and they're expanding now so they work with virgin atlantic uh, and david lloyd as well i mean how good is that right. it's absolutely yeah. kicking off um, yeah it's a really nice thing to do that. it is and they've also launched their first site in perth australia um yeah. and then to follow will be in paris and dublin how that's amazing yeah. isn't it that's not weak, isn't it? Like literally, but yeah. three out well, Two thousand fifteen. So within six years, it's gone yeah. to the other side of the world. Christ. Um, yeah. And it's supposed to be really good coffee. You know, it's not just shit. It's not just um, <laughs> a charity. It's not just a charity. They're actually giving you a decent service as well. So I mean, Canary Wharf used to work in Canary Wharf, didn't you, uh, Russell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked in uh, uh, what's it called? I mean, the big tower of the light on uh, One Canada Square. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Barclays actually. I worked in Barclays for a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, I, I I need to check these out more. I think I might have to try and offer, order some of their coffee and try it out, especially for such a great cause as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit extra there too, isn't it? It's not just coffee; it's everything else that's around it. Yeah, um, and you can volunteer there as well, I believe, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, so take, yeah, take the job of a homeless person and volunteer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, we're not going to uh, employ this fellow because we've got volunteers. Um, <laughs> no, but that's that. This this place is called Change Please, and yeah, they've got three shops uh, just in London alone. Nice. So it's been super fucking sunny the last few days. Um, well, I mean, last few days, last week, it's like super sunny now, but a little bit still, it's a little bit cold still. But won't be long until it's boiling every day. Um, so we started doing some some summer stuff the other day. Did a little bit. It's, it's like an indoor barbecue with um, the grill, but made some barbecue stuff the other day. Been trying out some summer cocktails and stuff. Um, and I've been playing around with something called a caprosca, which is like my new favorite cocktail now. So it's basically just 
glass with crushed ice and I'll do glass first, then some um, wedges of lime, so like one lime in wedges in the bottom, and then you crush it with a muddler. Um, then two shots of vodka, um, and then then half that amount, so then one shot of um, sugar syrup, and then loads of crushed ice, give it a little bit of a stir, and let the ice melt a little bit, and then that's it's really nice. That sounds um, like proper yeah. up my street. Like lime, I love mm. lime in cocktails anyway, and vodka's always yeah, a winner, it's isn't fresh it? In it. Yeah, it's lime, vodka, and a little bit, and that sugar syrup just makes stops it being too bitter. It just makes it nice and kind of smooth and yeah. it's not sweet. It's not sweet, sweet, but it's like sweet enough that it's nice to drink. But I like a lemon mm. tart, you know, it's sharp, but it's it's still like it's sharp. Did you say it's a whole it's lime, Ben? A whole lime goes into one or? Yeah, one whole lime. Wow. Yeah, crush it up and then chuck in your, your vodka, your sugar syrup, then your ice, give it a little stir. Let the ice melt a little bit because it like dilutes it a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's really nice. So it's, the sugar syrup is just enough. So that yeah, like lemon tart, so you can taste it's really sharp, but it's not unpleasant. Where did you find that from? Um, it's a it's a classic cocktail, so I got it from a cocktail book, um, mm. and I've been just messing around with it a little bit, so like adding a bit of ginger. Um, yeah, ginger would be nice. Bit of mint as well. Yeah, mint, ginger, bit of trying things with rosemary and added and, and different bits and pieces to it. Like I've been trying out um, uh, I made one the other day called a Prince Harry, which we named it as like an original one, which is like ginger beer. Um, rosemary and um, rum, which is really good. Um, yes, yeah, so there's all these kind of summery cocktails. We've just been lounging around, drinking cocktails, trying some stuff out. And when it was really hot last week, just making Kripposkis sit in the garden was really nice. Do you make your own sugar syrup, or can you can you buy that? Because you can buy syrups, can't you? In like yeah, in the, so, in the coffee aisle actually, isn't it? In the, in like Tesco's or Waitrose. Yeah, um, I was I was making it and keeping it in a little bottle, but. Um, for my birthday, my flatmates brought me like a whole selection of, um, you know, like grenadine, sugar syrup, mint flavoring. Um, you know, yeah. the, you can get oh, that's good. You know, the bottled ones and you just, they're different colors. Yeah. yeah. And a lot in like Costa and that you can see them. Like the, yeah. You've got like hazelnuts and all yeah. different vanilla. Yeah. I've got yeah vanilla one. I've got um, violet, mint, um, strawberry and yeah, plain sugar syrup. It's really good. So you're just using those. Um, but yeah, I was making mine before, just like 50% of each, like 50% water, 50% sugar, boiling it and then cooling it down, just using that. But it's much easier just straight out. How long do you boil it for? Or do you sort of just bring it's it up to the, the sugar boil? Dissolves, like just yeah. dissolve the sugar. Yeah. I, I normally just bring it up to the boil and then just let it cool down. But most of the time, like you just let the sugar like bring up so it dissolves and then let it cool down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been, so been drinking those and then sat in the garden and then starting to do a couple of... Um, barbecue kind of things as well. So I did some tandoori chicken the other day where it was just literally, um, I got some paste. You know you know the paste you get for curries where you just sweat down your onions and garlic whatever and then add the paste and then yeah. you add the sauce in. I've just been taking the actual paste and then mixing that with yogurt and then just having yogurt, <coughs> lime and um, this paste, really strong paste, like madras paste and then just Cut, taking my chicken thighs, chicken legs, marinating it in there for a couple of days and just letting it really kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. a couple of days is good, isn't it? Yeah, with the yoghurt. Because like, the yoghurt just makes yeah. it so soft. Um, and then the, the spices really get in there. And then just take it out, keeping all of the kind of... Because it's quite thick, like keeping it all on the outside, not wiping it off or anything. Just keeping all the marinade in there and then shoving them on tray under the grill. Get them kind of a little bit charred on the top and then go to oven and just leave it until they're cooked. Um, and those are all awesome. Um, 
and I was doing that with um, some pickled carrots. So just making a pickle, like half sugar, half vinegar as a pickling spice, and then just shredding some carrots with a peeler and then just pouring that over the top and just letting it cling film one over the bowl and just letting the carrot strips sit. Um, so yeah, it was like those like tandoori chicken thighs with some pickled carrots, a little bit of salad. Um, and then we're doing um, some Bombay potatoes, just the potatoes that are just kind of pre-cooked a little bit and then um, fried off with spices. Um, and that was awesome. Yeah, it was such a good little- Oh, little nice. Yeah. Oh, that I love that. Stuff. I might do that actually. It's two tandoori minutes, chicken thighs. You just chuck some yogurt in, chuck half yogurt in, chuck half the chuck half the thing of um, paste, paste. In, mix it around, shove a chicken in, and put it in the thing, and, it's, and put it in the fridge, and it's ready to go. Two days time. Shove How important it. is it though to use thighs over breast? Uh, For me, it's really important. Yeah, they're just so much more succulent and yeah, done, and they're just flavor. more flavour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's but, hard to overcook them as well, isn't it? With the breast, if you overcook that and it goes dry, then yeah, you've got a bit it, yeah. few problems. Well. Yeah, Any, anything but on the like the thigh is like yeah, yeah. In fact, the longer you cook it, sometimes yeah, it's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I sometimes like to keep um, when I do it. I try and keep the bone in the thigh as well while I'm cooking. Oh, yeah, it. Always, yeah. Yeah, I just find it releases the the flavors from the bone and the water from the bone and just keeps it moist. I think it, I mean it's still great when it's off the bone, but I like actually cooking it on the bone still. Yeah, mm. no, it always gets off on the bone. Like same with um. We do things like um, pigeon and chicken and um, pheasant. Like every time we used to do that at work, you'd always cook it on the bone and then take it off the bone. To yeah. Serve it. Like cook on the bone, take it off, finish it in a little bit of emulsion or something, and then send it. Because um, like every time you cook something on the bone, it's just so much more um, moist and just. And oh just oh god, yeah. Out. We used to. It's the same with fish and like skate, isn't it? It's quite hard yeah. to. It's hard yeah. to overcook that kind of fish because because of all the bones. Um, so it's really easy to play around with. But yeah, I mean, that tandoori chicken sounds nice. And when you marinate stuff, I always think 24 hours isn't enough sometimes. I like to really go yeah, a couple of days. Yeah. It's more than that, yeah. That's great in the summer as well. It's hot outside and you've got like, um, yeah, your tandoori chicken thighs, a few salads on the go. That's brilliant, that. Ben, do you just throw, your, do you throw it straight onto the barbecue or do you sort of hang it above or what do you um, do? I mean, I'd love to smoke it. Like if I had a smoking rack on the barbecue, I'd love to put a bit of foil in there put them on the, um, to say, for example, put a bit of tinfoil in it, take them out of the marinade and put them on that, on the, like, the top rack and then shut it and let it smoke. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But I didn't have a sexy enough barbecue for that. Yeah. Russell, didn't you do some chicken thighs once when I went round to yours and you sort of, I don't think you put it directly on the barbecue. I think you just put it kind of above, didn't you? And just, it, it took a while to cook, but it was, it was really nice. Yeah. I think we had like, um, Is it honey and soy. It could have been something like that, but it, we had like, um, it, was, it wasn't like a traditional barbecue. It was like, it was more like a little pit sort of thing. So you put your coals in the bottom and then you skewer it and just leave the skewers like hanging over the top. I think that's, that's what I um, yeah. had a few years back. Yeah, and that, that's quite nice as well. You just keep, need to keep on moving them round, round, round. Yeah, and um, you were but, saying yeah. about the pickled carrots as well. Um, Ben, I think it's so good because well. you, you you think about the um, the curry uh, the the masala chicken and the yogurt they're quite intense flavours and you do need something to cut through it don't you? Mm. Um, I did it the weekend I did some nice pickled red cabbage just really really on the mandolin nice and thin um, similar to you I did uh, a third white wine vinegar uh, it's got to be you know it hasn't got to be the best white wine vinegar but I think a better vinegar does help 
um, a third of that, a third sugar and a third water, bring it up to the boil. Again, same as you, throw it over the, the cabbage, clean film it, forget about it. And I also, also find when you do that, um, the colour, doesn't the colour just go so vibrant? Yeah, yeah. exactly, it's just, just so much better. And I, just having that, the acidity just makes such a difference. Yeah. Um, you can do that with whatever, and like pickled veg, you can put it with so much stuff and it makes it so much better. Like, I'd And you can there. always reuse the pickle, don't throw it away, you know. Yeah, exactly, just re -boil it. Use it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, pickled veg, and it lasts, how long does pickled veg last? Oh, well, doesn't it? Months, yeah, I just, I just pickle it, put it in a, in a kilner jar on the side of the stove. And I've got, got about four of them there now. It's the one with, um, one's got cucumber in it, one's got carrot in it. I've got uh, one with like pickled shallots. Um, pickled radish is a nice one pickled. as well. Yeah, just like everything, just putting everything there. So, yeah, and you can, yeah. do, you, do you play around with your pickles as well? Like I like to put, um, obviously I put some salt when I finish the pickle as well, just to season it, a bit of pepper. But you can put, if you want, a bit of bay leaf, bit of, sorry, a bit of bay leaf, a bit of ginger maybe, a bit of yeah, cardamom. Mustard seeds, star yeah. anise, bay leaf. Yeah, well, I've got like a, you get like pickling spice, I just buy pickling spice from, um, from Sainsbury's. Just, it's got everything in there, coriander seeds, mustard seeds, fennel seeds, mm. everything. I did some uh, pickled carrot the other day. Um, put a bit of tarragon through it, that was really nice. Oh yeah, the, nice. The thing is, I basically did like a gastric, which is like, it's half sugar, half vinegar. And it was, it was really like pickle. I like pickle stuff, but my girlfriend was like, oh, that's quite, <laughs> that's quite harsh. So yeah. maybe I need to get a bit of water in there next time. Yeah, mm. normally I just go like, yeah, gastric. Uh, did you reduce it right down then, Russell? Did you just sort of bring it up to the boil? Just bring it to the boil, so the sugar melted in. Yeah. Uh, well, it was like half and half, which I like that. It's like it's sweet and sort of. Yeah, see, I do the same thing, like half half. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought, yeah, similar to you, but I sort of split it three ways with a little bit of water as well. It just takes the edge off a little bit. It depends how much pickled you want it, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We used to do, um, we used to do a dish with like smoked chicken, so the smoked chicken and pickled mushrooms. That was so good. Oh, wow. Do, that sounds oh, nice. That's nice, yeah. That just works so well together. And it's like, Kind of, I can't remember what we used to put on the chicken, but it was like paprika spice and um, like smoked, um, yeah, like smoked paprika and stuff. And then we used to used to char it and then smoke it, like hot smoke it, and it was so good. And then, but then as soon as you started putting like, and then it's like a um, a pickled mushroom salad, and then as soon as you, oh, that was so. I still remember that. It was like. Was that like seven years ago? I still remember how good that was. I had it have it written down somewhere. Yeah, I think oh, we, pickled mushrooms are a bit underrated, actually. They're, they are nice, oh, yeah, like, especially them. a bit of bacon. Yeah, I, I used to do that quite a lot. Um, find out, you know, enoki mushrooms, the little, the little yeah. ones. Yeah, little, no, it's the, str uh, like the white stringy ones. Is that the enoki yeah, ones? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we can get golden enoki and enoki. They're, they're a little bit different. But, um, yeah, I just used to sort of uh, make a gastric and then... Um, and then just get the mushrooms in and that that is amazing just to go over the top i think i used to do it with like a do it like a rare tuna and then made like a lemon puree to go on the plate and then like coriander jelly pickled mushrooms it was oh it's such a beautiful wow. dish really fresh yeah yeah I, pro really... I probably wouldn't bother picking like pickling like chanterelles or something i think they're a bit too pricey no. to be pickling aren't they i oh. think you stick to your enokis and your buttons yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, pickled gerolds yeah. are quite cool as well. Actually. Yeah, they're a bit thicker though, aren't they? They're a bit. They sort of hold their own a little bit more. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, mushrooms are a wonderful thing, and how I mean, there's such a variety of mushrooms as well, aren't there? It's, it's amazing. 
Yeah, we used to cook oyster mushrooms like um like meat. Like we'd have a half of oyster mushrooms and like and score them. And well, like a king king oyster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. Yeah. Sear it so hard till like the the flat side is just like golden brown, and then flip it a little bit of butter, um, and then sort of like baste it in the um uh, emulsion. But it was like literally like treated it like meat. Like you was just like yeah, you treat it like a steak. Yeah. We used to do that with seps, but obviously if you wash mushrooms, you've got to be so careful when you wash mushrooms. You don't want to Im um, immerse them in water because they're just going to soak the water up. So we used mm. to have to, um, we used to have to get a, a, like a, not a paintbrush, but like a, a brush. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, brush them Wash off. each mushroom with, and it takes, it takes a while. It's not a quick job and it is, it's really fiddly as well because you don't want to break any of the ends of the mushroom off and that. So you're fiddling about with that. And yeah, same as you, Ben, cut it in half, score it, which is really important, so it gets cut, cooked inside. And then sometimes, straight on the solid top, like not even in a pan, straight yeah. on the solid top with a touch of oil. Um, and then it used to bounce around and jump up and that. Uh, and then, yeah, like you say, finishing a bit of butter, treat it like a steak, basically. Yeah. Mm. Uh, set, set mushroom, is, it's amazing, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, do you remember East India? We used to do like... Uh, really old school sorts of uh, uh, omelette and with set mushrooms, roasted seps, and then you'd put like uh, hollandaise over the top. So you'd make your omelette in your pan uh, with your seps. So you cook your seps off, omelette in, and then we used to do, what was it? Uh, yeah, hollandaise over the top and then under the grill. And then you just glaze that off and just serve it like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. What's the name of that omelet? God, I can't remember. No, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice looking omelet. A though. nice surprise omelet, yeah. Yeah, there's so yeah. many different types. Like, I remember in, in college, like, learning about all the different types of omelet. Because like, we used to do one, uh, the growing called the lobster omelet. And it wasn't really, like, it was like a, an omelet, but like not a folded one. So we'd have a ring on a plate, and then we'd put, basically, at scrambled eggs. So you'd make, it, make an omelet, but like to the point where it was just set. And then, but without folding it, put it in the put it into this ring, and then on top of that, put um, lobster, pickled shallots, um, parsley, and then like um, like a lob lobster bisque kind of foam. It was like it was kind of like a lobster bisque oh, um, nice. velouté. You used to make a, a velouté with lobster bisque, and then aerate it, and obviously um, finish it with um, use a little bit of egg yolk and stuff in it, like finish it with a bit of egg yolk and stuff, put it in a spoon gun, put that on top. So it's a bit, it's a bit like a, like a Mornay, because we started off being a Mornay sauce and then like you would use for like um, macaroni and cheese, but then like took, obviously then just got developed, you know, it was, and it ended up being like a lobster bisque velouté with um, just thickened up. Then squat that on top, smooth it out and then put it under the grill. So then it would be like kind of lovely and glazed on the top and then you would slide it onto the, another plate, lift the ring off. And it would kind of be like, obviously, the omelette on the bottom and then like the glazed um, sauce on the top with all the lobster in it and everything. So that was that was like a signature dish at the Glory. I think it still is. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, that sounds good. pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool to me anyway. Yeah, no, no. We just, we just sell about 100 of those a day. It was ridiculous. Like, sometimes you would do like 35, 40 in a service. Like, obviously, then the person who is responsible for the garnishes is also responsible for making the omelettes. That was the worst section ever because like you're the you've got like per table you've got like 
five sides per table oh, plus gosh. the garnishes for the main yeah. and you're making a lot of omelets. You're busy sweating quite a lot probably. Yeah. <laughs> Moving around very fast. <laughs> Can you imagine fucking up an omelette? It fucks your service, doesn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. And that's the thing you run out yeah. of, because um, you can only fit so much in a spoon gun. So you could go through like three or four and then, you know, you know, you just get that person that's doing it for the first time. They've run out of fucking cartridges. Then they can't get the thing open. Then they open it and it fucking goes, you know, when you open them, a yeah. Gun, it's <laughs> yeah, it just goes <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and it's just fucking, <laughs> fucking everywhere. It's fucking cracking yeah. eggs in the bin and putting the shells in the pan. All over yeah, your whites. <laughs> Yeah, it was so it was so busy that we even used to keep like the eggs cracked in portions. Like we'd have, um, say, like three trays of plastic cups with eggs that have been already beaten, um, and then the lobster and the parsley and that already in cups. So literally, you just go bang, bang, bang. But it was just it was ridiculous. At some day, because it was on the bar menu as well. So say if you did like thirty-five for service, and then you've also got ten for the bar on. You know what I mean? You're just trying to make all these omelets with five rings. Like, and then try and do all the garnishes <laughs> at the same time and all the sides like oh, i fucking hated that section yeah, on. Where, whereabouts is the goring then um so it's just on, on to the left of buckingham palace so as you as you look at buckingham palace straight on there's a road that goes around the left oh so it's victoria there. yeah it's just on the, it's just on the corner oh okay is that where um did uh you know when prince william got married is that where yeah, where Casey, like, yeah. yeah that's it yeah that's it yeah, so that was my first. So I started in the January, and they got married in the April. So mm. literally, it was in my first three months that they um they got. That was so mad. That was like everything was. Just you wouldn't so want to. Uh, you wouldn't want to fuck up Prince Harry's uh, Prince William's omelet, would you? I know, right? But she didn't. <laughs> so she, it was only her. It was her and the whole hotel, which is her. And it was all a that, f- yeah, that's a family, wasn't it? But going through the press in the morning, like having to go through the crowds and get through and get to work, was like. Just insane. I remember that. Um, Pall Mall was all blocked off as well, I think. Uh, all around the... Yeah, it was mad, wasn't it? It was just days and days and days. I think uh, someone was offering as well. It was like one of the newspapers was offering like half a million pounds for a picture of her in her dress before the day sort of thing. Oh, really? um, obviously, then we had all our phones taken off of us, iPods, looking camera, anything that was digital, we had to leave at the door. It's crazy. Ben's whipping out his vibrators, his cock rings. Anything else in uh, <laughs> 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 Take out my ass. <laughs> right, article read today. So this, this happened over Easter, which is literally a week ago. Uh, so I'll just try and find the story while I'm talking to you. Uh, so what happened was, so Carl Wallace, right, owns Diablo's Grill in Augusta, Georgia. And, uh, so what happened, it happened to be his 45th birthday at four o'clock in the morning, which was Easter Saturday, a burglar smashed into his restaurant and, uh, forcibly removed the cash register. There was no cash in there, so it wasn't a good day for the burglar, but made a load of mess, smashed his window through. And uh, so what the owner did, Carl Wallace, so he took pictures, like there's CCTV, right? So he took pictures of the burglar nicking his cash register and like the smashed glass and all that. So he went on Facebook, right? And he wrote this, this post, 
So I'll read it out. Our burritos are such a smash hit. We've got people breaking in at 4am for the fix. So if you see our door looking hurricane fabulous at Wheeler Road, this is why. To the would-be robber who is clearly struggling with life decisions or having money issues, please swing by for a job application. There are better opportunities out there than the path you have chosen. My personal sell is... Uh, yeah, no point me reading it out. So he said, no police, no questions. Let's sit down and talk about how we could help you and fix the road you're on. Sincerely, Carl. Oh, what a decent fella. That's kind of cool. I know. How nice is that, mate? It's basically just like offering him a job. But like he, he said he was inspired by uh, it being like Easter and like forgiveness and all that. I don't know if I'd have true, uh, been that like, forgiving. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't give him a job, <laughs> but, uh, you know, somebody next to yeah. help you. What if it's yeah, all like, a trap? <laughs> yeah, like trying to be like, well, obviously there's a reason you did that. So let's fix it instead of just... Yeah. yeah, no, it's the right thing to do. It's a decent thing to do. I mean, it takes a big man to do that, but where, where, imagine if it's a trap. Yeah, it's me that broke your windows. <laughs> got got yeah. you on tape. Um, going to put him in the burritos. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, uh, that's amazing, yeah. Apparently, yeah, I'm running out of land. You just pop down and we'll have a talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, so that it, apparently, like... It looked looking like the same guy was breaking into a lot of other places as well. So, um, oh, I mean, he, he does go into it. Uh, he goes, your first reaction is anger and frustration. Then you think about Easter weekend and think, what a better response. What would Jesus do? Would Jesus have somebody locked up or would he offer forgiveness? Christ. I mean, I'm not, I'm not into Jesus like myself. He he's Jesus, but, though. So. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Good. No, give a, good on him. Yeah, yeah, good on him. Jesus, uh, Jesus walk. So, season at the moment, it is officially spring, I think now. Um, I mean, it doesn't really feel like it. I know, Ben, you were saying it was quite nice last week, but it's been up and down. It was snowing at one yeah. point, and then it was know, warm. Crazy. Yeah, and it's all cloudy now. So, um, yeah, so we've got what's in season at the moment, and it always changes. Um, so in season now, we've got yeah, leeks, purple sprout and broccoli and radishes are always good. Um, and then your fruit, I mean, rhubarb's in season. That's always a winner with some people. Um, sorrel is a good herb to be in season right now. Lamb, of course, it's spring. Uh, then fish, I mean, fish doesn't change as much, but the one that stands out is crab. So crab's in season right now. Um, I mean, I love crab. Do you like crab? Yeah, I do love crab. I don't like the brown meat that much, but I like the I like the white meat. I think the brown's always like we used to quenelle the brown meat and put it on a dish, and it's just the just it's a bit shit. Really. Yeah, it needs a lot of love to it, doesn't it? Yeah, or just needs the bin sometimes. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, the white meat's really nice. <laughs> also, you like crab, didn't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Russell, you you're on mute, you fucking fanny. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Here he oh, is. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> How long was I out for? Quite a while. I've been chatting shit for ages, and you haven't well, heard I, it. I haven't. I haven't heard you speak. <laughs> I haven't heard you speak since like the coffee shop at the beginning. So yeah, we've literally done like um. What's, what's this now? 
episode, 20 minutes without you. Episode 45. Oh, that's all right then. So anyway, no, brown meat, brown crab meat is where the flavour is. You can't, um, don't, uh, you, yeah, brown meat, that is the flavour in it. So, I mean, the white is like, it, I mean, it's nice, isn't it? But like, brown, it's like if you do like a crab mayonnaise, you'd like put a bit of the, the brown meat in to Yeah, a bit for the flavour, flavor, yeah. the texture of it, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, we used to have to, um, we used to have to put it through a drum sieve, like proper yeah, yeah, sieve yeah. it out. Yeah, it takes a bit of work. But oh, to make sure there's no like bones in it, uh, shell. Bones, shell, lumps, just, and yeah. Just, yeah, make it smooth, but it's still, it's still very pasty. That you is the mean? thing with crab, isn't it? It takes a lot, you've got to really sift through it, you've got to get it on a, we used to put it on cling film and have gloves on and like literally, like little like paws and like pour our way yeah. through it. Oh, it's, it's it, it is a ball like we used to have to put it on a, on a gastro tray above another gastro tray with ice in it so it stayed yeah, cold. Right. And then the rule was um, three times. So you pick it once, turn it around, pick it again, turn it around, pick it again. Oh uh, and it is it is fucking is ball like, but what you get at the end is pretty good. I used to work with um, a Cuban fella called Rowdy, um, bit of a character, and he said he. Um, was working in this restaurant. I think it was in Canary Wharf or somewhere like that one time. Uh, and at the end of the shift, there was this crab, um, and I th- it was obviously it was dead. And I think the, the chef wanted to get rid of it or something like that, and or throw it away. And Rowdy said, "My friend said, um, oh, don't worry, I'll keep it. I'll, I'm going to take it home.'" So he got, he got on the tube um, and he had it in like a paper bag or whatever. And he said he was just standing on the tube, and obviously the wet and the juices from the crab made the bag wet and the crab just fell on the floor in the middle of the of the tube um, so he thought how can i play this off and i don't know i don't know if this is the best way of playing it off but he just picked it up put it on his lap and started talking to it in spanish uh, <laughs> Fuck it now. Yeah, so everyone around him Get was sort of up. giving him evil looks and he's like stroking the top of the crab hey que pasa, amigo? Uh, <laughs> he said he said he got home uh, and he thought he'd play around with it a little bit and he was living in a shared house at the time and he put it just on the floor outside of his roommate's house, uh, bedroom. Oh, uh, and he, he said he was like waiting around the corner. And he said he walked out and he's like, what the fuck's a crab on the floor? You know, anyway, it wasn't moving and stuff. So he, he walked to the kitchen where my mate would like move it a few inches or a few feet towards him. And then <laughs> And then he said he went to the bathroom. And when, when he was in the bathroom, he just put the crab on the side of the, the side of the sink and then oh, walked yeah. away. He said, how the fuck did the crab get up here? Um, but yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I have the balls to start talking to a crab on the tube. Yeah, because you really uh, get locked up before you get to your stuff. <laughs> yeah, was it a live crab? I, I missed the start of that. No, it was no, it was already dead. Oh, it's dead. Oh, I said uh, if it was live, then you didn't crawl off. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if crabs speak Spanish. I think they're more Russian. <laughs> Russian crab. Really? Yeah. Do you think I so? just speak to I Russian. Yeah. Ben's, Ben's, Ben's got Russian crabs. <laughs> yeah actually yeah sorry yeah i completely misread the conversation yeah that's me. That, normal crabs i think yeah north korea so uh what do we know about north korea not too much to be honest but we know it's uh it's probably not a happy place to be honest um because it's just totally closed off from the rest of the allegedly, world. Allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Appar- apparently they all love it there, the 
the residents in North Korea, but mm, not sure. So I saw an article today saying that like street vendors over there, so they're selling food and like having to like, I mean, it's just due to Corona and all this, they're like halving the portion size, uh, uh, increase in prices just to survive. Um, and like leaving out key ingredients to stuff. So it's like, I mean, I don't know what, uh, what they do over there but it's basically like noodles and stuff and like you might get an egg in it so they're having to leave the egg out now so as a result like the um, food vendors are like disappearing uh Wait, so yes yeah, so, south korea uh north korea north korea south korea is a there's a good place it's a great place i don't so. think that like food vendors that would be a big thing in north korea, no i didn't either, actually yeah i'm surprised they're allowed to even do that there. Yeah. But yeah, apparently they do. But like due to COVID now um, and like con control measures and restrictions on movement. Um, Can you imagine uh, if you just want like massive party over there and everything's like amazing and made of gold and everything's like heaven and they, they just make it, they just make it so it looks so bad so people don't come on holiday. And they just yeah. go, yeah, <laughs> we put people in the camps and whatever. And I was like, oh my God, don't want to go there. But actually like the secret is behind there. It's just like, water parks and I think it's the same in Butlins yeah everyone thinks it's a shithole but it's kicking off well what the what the government wanted to see they see like you see a brand new airport or a brand new hospital but there's nobody there there's no patients so the the normal people are like in some ghetto somewhere just rotting away but they're spending all the and it said so like the uh so over there apparently this is what I read so like people are struggling. I'm not sure what the um, the currency is, but I'm going to call it KPW because that's what was written down. So it's five people like can try and they they. It's hard to earn five thousand KPW a day, and to put that in um, a little bit of like uh, so you understand it. Yeah, that's it. So a bowl of noodles are three thousand KPW a day. So this like that's what the street food vendors have to have to charge. So it, co for it. it costs three thousand a day, and how much are they making? Barely five. Five thousand a day. So oh. obviously they're not going. You know, you could just, so street food vendors out there are, are dead, like mm. as a result of that. But I was watching this. The reason it was like interesting to me was I watched um, an article, uh, not an article, um, a documentary the other day on BBC iPlayer, and it's called The Mole. Have you seen that? No. Check it out. So what it is, so it's um, this guy from Denmark, right, who went un undercover into a, like a, an underground North Korea sympathizer group, which is like, I didn't even realize there would be anyone out there who would like sympathize in this sort of, sort of stuff. It's like government they sympathize in, uh, but they're out there. So what he'd done, he'd gone undercover into it, um making this documentary and um he sort of like mixed all these people mostly it's like people who don't work and are a bit weird and like so <laughs> he ended he ended up traveling to north korea and uh and once they're over there um this is like european groups so they go over basically the government over there don't have many friends so whoever is their friend they're going to be like happy about it so he went over, got treated like some small lord, and um, 
but he ended up like in a conversation through a couple of other people with the government he was offered like arms missiles meth they're making all that stuff over there oh my god allegedly uh and yeah all this sort of sort of stuff so they ended up uh getting this actor guy he used to be in the french foreign legion so well he was not an actor but he was putting on an act they wanted like a front man he was pretending to be a buyer for a very rich uh family or company who wanted to buy arms from from north korea uh and it got to the point where it's like basically they're talking to these north koreans and it was like they're basically like bond villains so they they he was they was trying to buy an island right it's somewhere in africa where they were going to build like a missile factory disguised as a hospital a missile factory underneath disguised as a hospital and what they were trying to do there was loads of like villagers like hundreds of villagers that lived on this island but like I think it was like Uganda or something, but the government were like, if you want to buy this, it's five million and we'll get rid of the villagers for you as well. Uh, and it was like, yeah, they'd just be told to leave. But this was like, they, this was like the North Korean sort of... Uh, Dr. Evil shit government. going on here. Yeah. Exactly yeah, it's mad. Yeah, it's, what was it called? Yeah, the Mole BBC iPlayer. I have to check um, that out. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting, actually. It, it started off, it was like, oh, you're just a bit of a weirdo. It's like... And this guy was like, he was the retired chef, actually. And oh, it's it always like, chefs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, he, had, he had some sort of illness or something where he couldn't work anymore. And he was only about like, looked like late 30s or something, or 40. And it was like, well, why have you retired? Because it's, you know, he was walking around and it was fine. But like, he went undercover into this group and then just like rose up the sort of ranks and. Yeah, it's wow. quite interesting. I'll tell you what, I haven't seen um I haven't seen it yet and I'm a bit cautious about watching it. But have you watched that um Sea Spiracy on Netflix about all the pollution in the oceans here? No, not yet. Oh no. No, it's meant to be really interesting. It's um I think they I haven't again I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it too much. And I'm a bit wary of seeing it because the reviews that I've seen, it's like um they just show you basically how much pollution is in um the ocean and like mm. what fishing is and actually how much of a conspiracy like the fishery um, the the fishing boats are to a point like just killing fish and throwing them back that you know if they're not good enough um i haven't watched it so i will watch it probably this week and talk about it next week but it's something that yeah it's a bit it's a bit heavy i think but um yeah, yeah you, you can imagine it. For it otherwise you just get depressed yeah. yeah you can imagine the amount of pollution that's going on oh. and like we've got like oil slicks going on and all that and 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 all this sort of stuff i mean how much like waste and sewage is just being pumped into the sea oh, yeah it makes know. you makes you wonder how this world's going to be in about 100 years well we, we're going to have to find a new planet aren't we that's what's going to in 200 years we'll probably need a new planet but by then i think um you know like i i read something the other day and it was um it was about artificial intelligence, so basically like robots. So at the moment, we're like sort of making robots that um, that to to do jobs. The the problem is, it's going to get to the point where robots can sort of uh, uh, 
that they're gonna have they're gonna be quicker than us solving problems better than us and they're gonna be better like have better 500 times or a thousand times better brains than us in the future yeah so when does it stop so eventually they're just going to take over us did you see those um, human race did you see those um robots i think it's i'm not sure where it was uh maybe america it's probably america but i'm not sure i have to double check um and it was a you know a female robot you could say and a male robot and they got so intelligent that they created their own language between them uh and they had to sh- we had to shut them down yeah that, Wait, that's scary. That? Exactly, really? exactly scary yeah. yeah yeah you get to the point where they the robots that computers won't need humans to program they'll get so intelligent they'll just be able to program themselves which means taking over everything and like yeah unless you are really careful on how you like program those computers um because if they can they'll end up just they will take over the human race won't they i guess uh as long as we can carry on doing the cook podcast that'd be right it's yeah, gonna be like exactly. yeah. But, um, yeah i mean it's mad i, I just thought you've been watching a uh, robot and you're like sammy that's you've, been, <laughs> you've been watching Wars. too much <laughs> That's nothing like those robots. <laughs> like with a pancake flipper on the end, like a spatula. Yeah. Just. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. It's another episode of Cooked Podcast. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and don't forget on Spotify. We'll see you next week. Thank you.